Jets lose again, fall to 0-5 for the first time since Kotite. Le'Veon Bell, looks like he's the organization is trying to trade the man. He may get his wish. Jets won't get much back. And there are no heroes in the Bell-Adam-Gase squabble. Sabo Radio, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all the places, jetsxfactor.com. Uh, subscribe for free. Don't subscribe. Don't subscribe. We have a lot of free content as well. But the good stuff, you know, Nanny is analytics, film breakdowns. The good stuff is usually behind the paywall. No ads either. You don't get advertisements. That's the exchange. You know, everyone. You see all these ads popped up everywhere on these websites. You can't even navigate the site. If you subscribe with us, no ads. That is the uh, give and take, the trade. And speaking of trades, it's been reported today by Manish Mehta, New York Daily News, uh, backed up by Rich Samini, his source of ESPN, that the Jets are actively trying to trade Le'Veon Bell. Honestly, this marriage was doomed from the start. No competent franchise signs a veteran, aging running back, and that's what he was when he was 26, or he was 27 by the time the season started. His birthday's in February, if I'm not mistaken. No competent organization signs a 27-year-old running back to big money. Look around. Just doesn't happen. You know, they'll draft a guy, they may re-sign the guy that they drafted, but that's as far as they go. The position is value-driven, and you don't use your resources under the hard salary cap for running back. You just don't do it. This day was eventually bound to come. Whether or not Le'Veon has lost a step, we honestly have no idea. Personally, I think he has, but we have no idea because the offense has been so bad Gase has done such a terrible job, and last year the offensive line was incredibly bad, and it was also bad against the Cardinals because Mekhi Becton is their most valuable player, and it's not even close. This kid is their most valuable offensive player. He might be their best player on the roster already, you know, several games in, and it's not even close. His mama should be proud because that, that kid, you know, And Joe Douglas, although it's fair to criticize him at this point, it's starting to get to that point, and he's got to be very careful how he handles things. Joe Douglas hit a home run with Mekhi Becton. So we'll touch on Bell. We'll touch on the Bell gay stuff. There are no heroes. I I don't want to hear Bell is doing a good thing because it might get rid of Gase. While that's a positive, there are no heroes. So we'll get into that as well. We'll get into Gase co-type. Has Gase actually caught up to Kotite? But we start with the, and we'll try to run through it quickly, the 30-10 to 10 loss against Arizona. 30-10 to 10 at MetLife Stadium, Cliff Kingsbury, the once Jets head coaching candidate. Amazing. And the quarterback in the NFL who threw one pass in the NFL, and it was for the Jets in 2005, comes in at MetLife, Traveling from the desert and just dismantles the Jets, 30 to 10. Starts out, 
Jets get the ball first. First play of the game. Good call. Um, good call. Play action. Roll out. Flacco has a wide open Jeff Smith on the dig. And if he hits him, Jeff Smith has room to operate. But Flacco, 35 years old, hasn't played in a while, completely misses him. Throws it behind Smith. And that's how the day starts. And you already get, from that point forward, you get the sense it's going to be one of those games yet again. Second down, Bell gets two. Third down, Flacco hits Crowder on the run, but he's a yard short. Jets punt. Next possession, Jets defense actually does a good job. Forces Arizona to punt. Jets get it back. Of course, another three and out. Arizona gets it, goes on that eight play. 89-yard drive for the touchdown, which results in a Chase Edmonds 29-yard run. And on this play, Greg Williams just did a incredibly head-scratching thing. On second and nine, you know, Arizona had 11 personnel in. Greg Williams matched it with nickel, obviously. Frankie Louvu's out there on the edge. He He's one of their only true in space play in space edge guys at 236 pounds he's small so you have him out there trying to rush the passer fine arizona gets uh what was it seven eight yards whatever they got it made it a third and one arizona went no huddle instead of going back to the sideline giving the jets time they went no huddle okay what does greg williams do he calls a 3-3-5, five-man front against third and one. And I understand why he does it against third and one, because you want to stop the run. Gives you a much better shot with the with the true nose tackle in there than you know, the 4-2-5 does. But it puts Frankie Louvu, a 230-pound guy, on the interior of the defensive line. And that allows Edmonds to just basically go untouched for the touchdown. Edmonds scores three touchdowns last year against the Giants at MetLife. Gets another one. Here's exactly what i'm talking about this guy edmonds really loves metlife stadium three touchdowns against the giants last year this was it 28 yards 29 yards 28 yard dash against the jets this year you'll see it here split zone kind of deceptive because the flash the kick out is coming from the motion and edmonds completely takes advantage is untouched great vision gone now you'll really get a sense here from this view but first look at the play before there's frankie luvu playing the edge four man front nickel i think it's a second and nine they pick up seven with isabella in the flat there's luvu now cardinals go no huddle that's the key. Now look at Luvu looking around, looks to the left, looks to the right, doesn't really know exactly what he's doing because he's not supposed to be in this position. He's a light edge player. What is he, 250? He should never be this far inside. Three or four eye, doesn't matter. In the three three five, Greg, which is what Greg Williams calls, that forces Luvu out of position into the inside. Thanks to the Cardinals no huddle. And watch Luvu just get thoroughly dominated. It's not. It's a faux double team. By this point, the tackle has him. There's only three guys who can get him: May, Hewitt, 
Williamson on the edge and Williamson's taken out by the flash. Hewitt has no chance because look at Luvu. Luvu is completely dominated and you can't blame Luvu. He should not be in that position. He should not be an interior defensive lineman at that weight and May overruns it and McDougald at the top of the screen overplays it. And I don't know why, because the line didn't give any indication of mid to outside zone, but Greg Williams, you can't put Luvu in that spot. For those who just watched it on YouTube, saw Kelvin Beecham at right tackle completely move Luvu at least five yards, which created the, the space for Edmonds, as you saw on Sunday. Greg Williams, you know, get on Gase, get on everyone. But Greg Williams has to be included. Th- that's just a terrible, terrible job. Uh, you know, I don't, how can you put a 236-pound guy in that position, a three technique or a four eye, whatever it was, inside of the tackle it's just it's a killer what you do there third and one you know your personnel is out there um and luvu if you go three three five you you can't it's either going to be luvu or jordan jenkins on the inside you don't want that avery williamson kicks to the outside to the edge just stick with the four two you know you're probably not going to stop the first down but take the lesser of two evils you know, giving up three, four yards and a first down is much better than a 29-year-old, uh, excuse me, 28-yard uh, uh, dash to the end zone. So 7 nothing. Jets get the ball back. They actually get a first down, which is shocking. On second and one, Bell goes for four. Eventually, the drive stalls. They punt it back. Arizona gets it back, punts it back, which is interesting. Jets get it back, and this is where the game was cemented to me. Jets go on a 14-play, 79-yard drive. That eats up five, uh, seven minutes, 57 seconds. This was the game. This was the drive that Gase could have said, all right, let's go. Let's turn the season around. Let me show you guys that I'm not afraid. Let me show you guys that I'm not afraid to play it safe. Let me show you guys that we will go for the jugular, that I believe in you, that I understand how football's played in the year 2020. No. Jets get down inside the red zone. Third and one. Trevin, Trevin Wesco, the tight end, playing fullback up the middle for no gain. And then fourth and one, Bell up the middle for no gain, turnover on downs. Later, right after that drive, Avery Williamson gets a gift of a pick. Jets can't capitalize, kick a field goal. The drive after that, Arizona marches right down the field, 10 plays, 75 yards, resulting in a Kenyon Drake goal line touchdown run. And from there, it was pretty much done in the second half down seven after Crowder gets a touchdown to make it 17 10 the Cardinals are faced with a fourth and one at their own 39 or 40 what do they do Kingsbury understanding who Greg Williams is an aggressive guy who will have his linebackers on their toes not really disciplined goes with the play action Tight end delay, 
where he blocks and releases Daniel Daniels, Daryl Daniels, excuse me, and they go for a huge chunk. And from that point forward, it was over. And that's the key. Gase playing it safe on fourth and one with the Cardinals defense antsy, ready to stop the run. Could have taken advantage of it, scored a touchdown, taken a shot there. And Kingsbury, up seven, at his own 40, telling the world he has no fear. That's the difference in mentality between these two coaches and ultimately the difference in the game. Yeah, of course the roster is different. Of course the talent is different. But that difference in mentality halts a lot of development. First, the third and one, uh, the Wesco dive. And Gase said after the game, you know, usually anytime they run with Wesco, in this situation it works out. I checked the numbers. Wesco has one career rushing attempt, and that was last year. Now he has two. But check it out here from the end zone view. If this is an actual fullback, it's a huge play. He gets stopped. But look at what the offensive line does on the right side. Van Rotten, uh, Adoga, double team, and Van Rotten will get to the second level. There goes Wesco. Van Rotten does a hell of a job. And if Wesco just has some sort of vision... He uses left foot, plants, cuts to the right, and has a big play. I don't think he scores, but it's a first down. Okay. Technically, the play should have worked. It was there. But the personnel wasn't. And that's a big deal. Fourth and one. The Jets have been in nine situations this year of third and fourth and one. So third or fourth and one. They have run it all nine times. Not one pass. On nine occasions of third or fourth and one. Here's the fourth and one. Really the turning point of the game to me. Bell up the middle stopped. The Cardinals defense is just ready to go. It's essentially a 5-3 defense. Press here. If, if that's someone other than Hogan, you, you could take a shot. You can go play action. There are so many different possibilities here. You could move the pocket this way, get Flacco rolling to the left. If that edge, if you feel that edge will get sucked in, there are so many different possibilities. But they go with their ninth run in the ninth situation. And honestly, this, this one had no shot from the start. There goes Wesco. Nothing. Arizona, on the other hand, up seven at their own 39. Watch what they do. No fear. Look at the Jets' defense. Pretty similar to what we just saw from Arizona. But Kingsbury knows this is a passing league. This is a shot league. This is an opportunity league. And Greg Williams is going to have his defense ready to go. Play action. Play action, and suddenly... There's opportunity in front of Kyler Murray. Late release by the tight end after he initially blocks. No shot. Whether it was Jordan Jenkins who was supposed to cover him or Marcus May, it doesn't matter. It is so difficult 
to ask a defense to stop a fourth and one and also cover. That's just football. That's just football, especially in today's game. Look at this defense. You don't want to run it against this. I don't care if it's fourth and one. Gase stubbornly tries to and preaches execution while Kingsbury preaches deception. And deception is the key in today's league with so many college principals. You'll see the late release there by Daniels. Jenkins goes to the quarterback. Ball game. And that's pretty much a wrap on the game. Uh, no need wasting any more time on it. They're 0-5 for the first time since 96, which brings up the gase Kote comparisons, which we'll get to in a second. Those are interesting. But first, the Le'Veon Bell news. Manish, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News reported today, Tuesday, that the Jets are looking to trade Bell. And how can you be shocked? Meta also reported that Bell told friends before the season that he would request a trade if things continued to sour this season. It appears like he's going to get his wish. Uh, what the Jets will get back will be hardly anything. Nothing. This guy's 28 years old. For a running back, that's about, that's probably 39 for a quarterback. 38, 37. That's how old that is for a running back, 28. Very old. It's rare. The Frank Gores of the world are rare. Adrian Petersons of the world are rare. And those guys have been out of their prime since the late 20s, since their late 20s. You know, no back stays in his prime into his 30s. Just doesn't happen. I mean, they may hang around for a little bit, but, you know, that's just life. That's just the way it is. Which, which I think why the CBA should be different and running backs should have shorter contracts coming out of college when they get drafted. But that's a different story for a different day. Uh, Bell is 28. He's old. Has he lost a step? Maybe. Probably. We don't know. And the Jets are most likely to cut him at the end of the year. Joe Douglas, if he was in charge, would have never signed this guy. When you have a rebuilding team with no offensive line, you don't sign a veteran running back to big money. You don't sign a veteran inside linebacker to big money. And that's what McCagnan did with Bell and Mosley. And it was just sheer idiocy from the start. Um, you know, railing against the Bell signing. People took it personally. They still take it personally. It has nothing to do with Bell himself. In fact, last year, I thought Bell was great off the field. That video he put up during the trade deadline with all the Jamal Adams drama, it endeared him to so many Jets fans. And it continues to this day. And... They love him. They think he's doing wonderful things because his railing against everything, you know, liking tweets on Twitter, liking tweets that Gase uh, mis misuses him in the offense and that the Jets should trade him, they feel that that will help the organization see the light and fire Adam Gase. I say the organization has to see the light themselves. If they do something out of public sentiment, uh, due to public sentiment or due to Le'Veon Bell, they're doing it just to do it. That'll lead to another mistake when hiring the next head coach. The only way they won't make that next mistake is if they f actually realize it from within. Which means there are no heroes. 
in this bell gase squabble. It's simply counterproductive to be on either side, to take either extreme view. I don't care if you hate Gase more than any individual who's ever lived. What Bell is doing is not right either. And interestingly, he's doing the same thing Jamal Adams did, using social media to get out. No, it's not apples to apples. Jamal Adams took it to, you know, planet Mars. He took it to another world. He criticized teammates. He criticized the coach, of course, too, with Manish in the Daily News. Same thing Le'Veon's doing, just not as in your face. And since Jamal was traded, nothing. So tip of a cap to Jamal for not, um, you know, throwing salt in the Jets fans wound since he's been traded. And no, Jamal was much more destructive than Bell. But still, it's a little hypocritical to think of Adams as the devil and Bell as the savior when they're essentially doing the same thing, just at different volumes, different levels. And that's what I say to the Jets fan. No, don't be hypocritical because more hypocritical Jets fans means less unity. And unity is what you need to really get through to an organization, get that message through. So from that standpoint, there are no heroes. You know, don't jump on a team. The only team you should be on is team nobody or team blow it up. Get rid of Bell, get rid of Gase, and allow Joe Douglas to make the moves he wants to make, to hire the head coach he wants to hire. That's the team I'm on. Lastly, is Gase as bad as Kotite? Interestingly, Kotite, his career winning percentage is 125, a 4-28 record. Gase is now 7-14, and 14, 333. For Gase to reach the co-tight level, he'd have to lose the next 35 games and come up with a record of 7-49, and 49, which is a 125 uh, winning percentage. That is impressive stuff from co-tight, let me tell you. 35 games. That's more than two seasons for him to match that level. Now, when posing the question, is Gase as bad as Kotai? Is he worse? The majority of people will say yes, because we are living in the Gase moment. And because Parcells came afterwards and saved the franchise. But while 95 and 96 were happening, no one knew Parcells was coming. Kotai was that bad. The mark, the worst mark on Kota is this. He won four games in 32 shots with an actually decently talented team. That team had talent. If it didn't, Parcells wouldn't have finished 9-7 and seven in, in 97. But he turned that thing around instantly. An eight-game improvement. Gase, I think, has less talent. But why... People are so on him and comparing him to Kotite is the hope factor. He took a number three overall quarterback and we, we still don't know if he has the goods or he doesn't. And we won't know until another guy comes in. There's been so many unfortunate situations with him. You just can't evaluate him properly. 
All you could do is call out the bad, call out the good, and, and keep letting time pass. But Gase dashed the hopes of every Jets fan with Darnold. That's why everyone has him, not everyone, a lot of people living in the here and now have him over Kotite. So while I understand that sentiment, and I think he is encroaching in, into Kotite level, into Lou Holtz level, I still have Kotite as the worst, Lou Holtz second, and Gase third. While he's encroaching, I still don't think he's Kotite level, but it is pretty damn close, and it's as uh, legit to compare the two and compare the two seasons between 96 and now. They have been so uncompetitive. And the other bad thing for Gase is the amount of double-digit losses he has. When his team loses, they don't show. They're a no-show. Kotite's guys actually battled at times. He lost a lot of close games. And I think that's partly attributed to talent. But hey, both guys, what are we, what are we arguing over here? Uh, the two worst, you know, in gym class, the last pick when you have to pick everyone in your, in your class that's where the state of the Jets is right now, and no one's happy about it. So Jets are 0-5. Schedule changes happened, which means uh, instead of the Chargers next week, Jets will visit Miami. Their bye uh, moves one week, I think from week 11 to 10 or 10 to 11, and the Chargers are moved to that area as well. Just think Chargers-Miami flip, uh, but it's not a natural flip. It's the bye weeks in there as well. And they had to do that for COVID-related reasons for the schedule. And away we go. Trevor Lawrence remains on everyone's mind. What the Jets do with Gase remains to be seen. I don't know. If I had to guess, I would say the bye week or after next week's game with Miami. If it's that bad. And wouldn't it be just like Gase? To wrap up his novel, his book, as head coach of the Jets, to put up a stinker in Miami and then get fired. Miami. Jets took an AFC East rivals coach. They refused to fire him when they should have already. And it would just make perfect sense for him to put up a stinker in Miami and get the boot. So gun to my head, I say bye week, number two option next week after a terrible loss in Miami when they go to 0-6. And, and away we go. What else can you say? Uh, check out Sable Radio again, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, JetsXFactor.com. Film review coming out from me, from Blewett. Uh, cool Your Jets just put up a podcast as well. Check them out. And uh, until next time. Hang in there, I guess.